Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fuel Radio. On the line with me today is Jenny Quilty. Thanks for joining me, Jenny. Hi, thanks for having me. We've just been having a nice chat, and I thought before we go too far and talk about all the things that we're going to talk about, we should hit record and get, get started here. <laughs> I, um, I first heard about you from my friend, Rod True, who is an ultra runner. Do you, do you know Rod? I didn't even ask you. Yeah, you yeah, I do. Yeah, that was a familiar name when you mentioned it, so I'll have to say thanks to him for passing my name on. Yeah, cool. I, I actually was interested in what he was doing because I've become a little bit more interested in in ultra running and um he he mentioned you as someone that i should have a chat with he wasn't so sure that he i would want to talk with him he said you know you talk to talk to jenny <laughs> oh thanks i'm sure he'd be great to talk to too <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 exactly um i just did or a few weeks ago i did like a mar- i did a marathon like a trail running sort of slash road running marathon awesome. and rod joined me for the first half of it so oh that's so cool how did it go it went good. Yeah, it was, it was good. Like I had two friends join me for the first half and then I did the second half on my own. And, uh, and I haven't really been running. I've been more sort of walk jogging because I have some problems. I have issues when I run that we won't go into. My, <laughs> oh, my, lots can come up. <laughs> yeah. Issues yeah. with my cramp, with uh, cramps, cramping oh. in my calves and stuff like that. I've, I pretty much gave up on running, but so anyways, it was a combination of running, jogging, and it, it went well. Yeah. Awesome. I was in a lot of pain in the second half. I'm sure yeah, you're familiar with- The second half with... alone is, is a bold choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with that kind yeah. of pain. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. But congrats. No, oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So just as far as your own background is concerned, how did you first get involved in running? Were you were you, did you run track as a kid and stuff like that across I, country? And- yeah, I, I grew up in Abbotsford, actually, and I ran track throughout high school, uh, but not any high level. Yeah. Um, like there was never a conversation of it going anywhere beyond that. Um, so I always liked running. Um, I always did a little bit of running on my own outside of tracks, you know, just 8K loops out in the Bradner area. Um, mm-hmm. and, and kind of got into a I guess, feeling comfortable with the idea of running through high school and, and a lot of team sports. And then um, after high school, I went to university in Edmonton. And uh, that's kind of, like I, I just did leisurely running, um, participated you know, in the annual turkey trots that are like 8 or 10K on road. Uh, and then eventually, I think towards the end of my under, yeah, no, it must have been midway through my undergrad, I got invited to do a half marathon. And it was the hypothermic half in Edmonton. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to sign up for one, why not do that one first? <laughs> yeah, it's a good name for a race in Edmonton. Eh? <laughs> and it was very well suited. Yeah. So I did that one um, two years in a row and then decided to go for a full marathon. And I actually did the run for water back here when it was um, a full marathon. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that Excellent. was in 2010. 2010. Okay. So you've been at it for about 10 years or so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 10, that was 11 my, years. Yeah. Yeah, first that was my first full marathon, and after that, that's when I kind of transitioned into trail. Um, and then I actually moved from Edmonton back to Vancouver for school there. And then that was when I found Five Peaks, which is a, another great series um, uh, all across Canada. And and that kind of became like a bit of a trail family. And I would just I wouldn't actually even run that much between races, but I would do all of them. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I would just show wow. up, and I'm like, oh, I like trail running. This is fun. But I didn't at that time. I was a student and didn't know a lot about getting out on the trails or. how to do it or where to go. So yeah, I would, I would do that. And then um, once I finished school, I moved to Victoria for my first job and 
um, that was when I decided I, I wanted to set a new goal for running. And I signed up for my first um, ultra marathon. So um, a distance over a marathon. So it was 55K out in Revelstoke um, with what was then Trailstoke through Five Peaks. They don't host it anymore, but it was um, a great race with tons of elevation. Mm. Uh, and that kind of got me right into it. And, and that, that idea like came, I always give credit to Selena, the Five Peaks race director, because she was the one who kind of put the Planted that seed for me of being the first person to say, "Hey, you should run farther." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, what's the draw for you? What's the what's the fascination with it? Oh, that's a great question. I think honestly, it's about finding out what I'm capable of, and not just physically, but also kind of mentally. Mm. Um, when you go farther, you get to spend time a lot of times with other great company, but also a lot of times alone. Um, and I think I've learned just more about myself, my connection to my community. Um, more about the land too. Like there's, it's, it's kind of, I guess, evolved over time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I constantly get to check in with what I'm capable of on different days as the running journey continues. You know, as, as you mentioned, cramps, you know, different things can come up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I use yeah. it calf cramps and I could talk about other types of cramps, but things that come up and you work <laughs> through and you get to know your body and yeah. Uh, yeah. And where your mind goes when things get tough. And that's a pretty cool I guess, thing to have the opportunity or the choice to dive into. Right. So it sounds like a big part of it for you is just, you just enjoy the challenge and seeing how far you can go and you enjoy pushing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it varies right between how far can I go? And then sometimes looking back at other distances and going, well, how fast can I go? Um, yeah. It's two different types of journeys. I was actually just talking to somebody about that yesterday. You know, it's, it's a different journey to say, I'm going to, maybe slog it out or I'm going to see how far, uh, how much of this I can persist through for how long versus mm -hmm. how fast and how uncomfortable maybe I can tolerate being ideally for a shorter period of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a really good article. I'll put it in the show notes mm -hmm. on uh, that they did uh, about you in yeah. the Squamish 50-50. So I didn't know this till I read it. I heard of 50-50, but I wasn't sure what they were. I just thought you did 50 kilometers two days in a row or 50 miles, but it's for some reason, it's 50 miles on the first day yeah. and 50 kilometers the second day, right? It's, yeah. it's a good old Canadian, North American mix or for some reason. <laughs> yeah, and you'll see that, like that, those distance swaps a lot, it, like those kind of standard ultra distances. Oh, yeah. so you'll often see like 100K and those will be run in the States, you know, or here. And then you'll get this 50 mile. Yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's also given me the skill of very easily swapping between, between kilometers and miles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was a good article because it, it really showed your preparation. And like you said, you enjoy the thinking, like there is a lot of, there has to be, there's a lot of planning that goes into it, isn't it? Cause you, you gotta, like when I did my marathon, it was, I had to make sure, like I researched, <laughs> I didn't have anybody coaching me. I had to look up, uh, you know, to make sure that I got the proper nutrition and water and I didn't have aid stations. So I had to kind of figure that out. I did a loop. So I, Awesome. I stopped at my apartment halfway in between and, and, and had a good amount of fuel and stuff like that. But there's a lot of planning and thinking that goes into it. And then you, were you thinking about breaking? Yeah, you were, you were thinking about breaking a record in that one too. So you had to plan your splits and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. The planning is big. It's there's, I find with ultra running and trail running in particular, you know, you're going into the mountains. So if it's outside of a race, like we've kind of experienced this year, there's a lot of planning and prep for safety reasons, right? And then in a race, yeah. there's a lot of strategic planning. Um, yeah, yeah, if you link that article, I think 
it talks a lot about that. I remember that with, with Tori um, doing that. But yeah, it, it was a mix of looking at the previous splits from Caitlin Gerben, who held the record um, mm -hmm. prior to mine and looking at where she was at what point. And I had the lists of those splits in a little tiny Ziploc bag in my front pocket because oh, yeah. the last thing I want to do out there is be trying to do mental math. Like that'll never work out for me at the best of times. Right. So I just kept those lists and I had kind of the reference points to the course and what time she was there at. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it was funny because I mean, people who I, I, I was familiar with Strava from road biking mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that, but you were able to get at, at, at it sounds like uh, ultra runners use this quite a bit as well. They used a, mm -hmm. an app called Strava. So you were able to see her splits yeah. on the app. You were able to cyber stalk her on Strava. Oh, and I totally did. I, yeah, I was interviewed <laughs> afterwards on um, Ginger Runner and she's been on that show many times because she has amazing um, accomplishments that they've talked to her about. And, yeah. um, and I said that on there and she put a comment as is a live, um, live kind of interview. And she said, you could have just asked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's definitely an intimidation factor there of who am I to ask, you know, her for those splits. So I was like, I'll just stalk her and study and what happens. <laughs> it seems, I mean, I've only just been introduced to the community, but it does seem like a pretty close knit community. Yeah. And uh, there is probably is a lot of support and stuff like that, even though there's yeah. a lot of competition there seems like a lot of support and even camaraderie during the races and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah I think you'll find that as like a, a huge, I hope everybody always finds that within the community, but it's a huge yeah. um, theme you'll hear people talk about in trail running is the community. Cause again, you're out in remote places, right. And all you really have, especially in a race, you're lucky to have those people around you mm -hmm. uh, as support. And, and I think a lot that I see within the women in the, um, I can speak more to that side. Cause that's my experience, but in the sport is that we're all, in some um, way interested in pushing our own limits, whatever those are. So if somebody has the ability to exceed our own limits, well, that's amazing, right? We know how hard mm -hmm. we might be working at something and to watch somebody surpass that, it, it just raises the bar every time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I should mention too, going back to the Squamish run, the, I mean, the person that you, the time that you beat, um, she's quite an accomplished runner. So that, that must've felt good. Hey, like you, you, you did it right. You beat her. Oh, you, like you really did it. You, you beat her time by like 40 minutes or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it definitely made me excited for my future in competing in the sport. Um, yeah. it, it's a neat thing, you know, with, with records, because I think I, I could say undoubtedly if Caitlin came back and raced it, she could probably crush my time. I have, you know, cause some <laughs> people do certain races and they move on to different levels. Like she's gone to do a lot of um, international racing in Europe and in the States and um, right. some of the, the races that I hope to get to do myself. So it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of neat again, like following the footsteps of somebody who went on to do really great things after that, that time that she set. And um, yeah, again, I'm sure the day will come when somebody takes that time from me as well and, and maybe smashes it. Right. So that's, that's always cool to see people coming up and yeah, like they're raising that bar in the sport. So just a little hero story. What's the most difficult time you've had out on the trail and uh, how did you overcome it? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be a hero story. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything that you overcame and survived, that's a, that's a hero story. Somehow you got through it. You're here to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, I think the, it's funny actually when you ask that, the first thing that popped into my head where it wouldn't be a hero story is maybe one of my, um, the, one of the times, or I guess the first time I think where I didn't finish a race <laughs> pops in oh, yeah. like, what was the hardest out there? And I'm like, I can tell you how I overcame it in the moment, but ultimately I decided not to finish. Sure. Um, so yeah, that was actually, that's a funny one. This was, well, when was it? Um, I think it was 
was it two years ago, I signed up for the uh, Whistler Alpine Meadows 100K, which is again hosted by Gary Robbins um, in Whistler, and it's called Wham, or people know it as Wham. Yeah, 100K um, in one day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So and any, with that, with elevation and all kinds. Oh of stuff. yeah, like you go up and over Whistler yeah. twice because why oh, not? Oh wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, very very intense course. But I had signed up, and this was after my goal race um, of the year, which I had already completed. So. I always try and yeah, have goal races and kind of be races that happen if, the, if they do. Mm-hmm. And so I signed up for this one thinking, oh, it's 100K, which is a huge, huge distance. Yeah. Um, but I kind of knew what to expect. I knew where my fitness was at and went in with actually a friend we had chatted before the race saying, hey, see you for beers tonight. Like, we'll be back in time for beers and dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there was snow up top. I had, again, probably less preparation because it wasn't uh, a race. So like even my change of clothes, that were warmer were clothes I had actually never ran in. <laughs> they were like oh. more hiking clothes. Oh, um, yeah, so that was actually, a, that one became really tough. I got through the first half and I actually led for most of the first half um, until I stopped at the top of an aid station. And the woman who I think ended up winning passed me at that point and didn't even like know I was there. Um, <laughs> but it was a really great fast start where I probably didn't eat enough, got excited and was just having fun. <laughs> and then, mm. um, it was, as I descended, it was super slippery, super wet. And usually downhill is something I consider to be a stronger part of my racing. And, um, I got to the bottom and it was, you're at the, uh, 50 K mark. And I was just done because like, I haven't eaten. I knew I haven't, I know I haven't ate enough, so I'm just going to stop. Like there's no point kind of going into that reserve. And my partner, he was, you know, clever enough to announce quite loudly, like, Oh, should we take a vote if you should quit or not? (laughs) (laughs) Which got me out of there relatively, I don't, not fast, but relatively quickly and heading back (laughs) up. Um, but that was just a time where I was on the trails. And as I climbed back up, I was just in such a low spot. Um, I knew I wasn't achieving the goal I wanted at that point I was still in second but Mm. I was like so down because I felt like um, I didn't care about that result I was like I'm not having fun and I do this ultimately yes to push into limits but also to have fun and I think when I get down on myself that's such an easy spot to go of like this is supposed to be fun and it's not fun so what am I doing Mm -hmm. Um, so I actually I had reception and I called my friend and business partner Katrina (laughs) and told her what was going on and she um like she knows me so well right and knows me as a runner so well and um again it's not like necessarily my own hero story but she was able to say like you're not done yet like this is your first time wanting to quit and in ultras you need to get to your second or third time wanting (laughs) (laughs) which came ultimately for me in that experience uh, down the road about 20k from the finish when again I was just I was at that point where like I know I could finish I could walk it out but I don't Mm. want to and I'm cold (laughs) oh wow yeah (laughs) And yeah, ultimately that when I decided to quit. So it's kind of, um, or did, yeah, did, did not finish. Still having run, yeah, 80 something kilometers. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's, it just, I guess sometimes when you're out there again, you get so much in your own headspace. And that was one where I didn't have anybody around me. And um, yeah, I just knew that it wasn't my day to stay out until the wee hours of the night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned something earlier. I wonder if it, it sounds like it is. It's maybe almost too easy or a rhetorical question, but it sounds like, is it kind of a common thing? Do you find with the other women that are out there that, that, that commonly they like to push themselves to the limit, like they're trying to discover their outer limits and stuff like that. Is that pretty, pretty common, a common I, trait? Yeah, I think so. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's still probably the variety of, people who maybe just want to go out and see new places or, but I think a lot of the time in trail, yeah, it is a lot about um, pushing yourself and seeing 
what you're capable of. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. That's cool. And um, so you've taken all your experiences and your education and you're doing some coaching, which is, which is really cool. So you're working with other, other runners. Why don't you just, I'll just leave it open. Just tell us how how that works. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Katrina and I um, co- own or co-founded Pacific Pine Running Co. So that's the business that we own together. And it is um, primarily a coaching based business. We also host some clinics. So this year we did a virtual clinic early in spring and that would normally be one that we annually do in person. Um, But yeah, throughout the year we do one-on-one coaching for, um, for runners. So any, like any level, we have a whole variety of amazing athletes that we work with um, between people who are just well, most people, you have some goals for ultra. I feel like that's a common thread when people feel ready to get a coach. Um, we're just increasing their distances. So we have some runners who, you know, are working towards that 25K distance, which is still a huge, you know, it's over a half marathon and on trail, like still a huge and amazing accomplishment. Um, so with that, we, we have primarily in local athletes, but also um, a couple from different places in the world. It's, it's pretty neat to be able to, to do that. Um, yeah these days. And, and yeah, so we, um, Katrina has a extensive background in road running and, um, she's a microbiologist by trade. So really great with digging into research. She applies a lot of the skills she has from her kind of research um, and science-based background to finding out great information about running and and a lot of the studies out there, especially in trail running. So yeah, so we work one-on-one with people and that involves giving them, um, daily programming and then they tell us what they did, how it went, we have this, this box that, you know, is life comments and that's where a lot of the dialogue happens. That's kind of, I think where the relationships are developed. Um, Cause we, you know, we ourselves with work, work with a coach and um, one of the main philosophies that we see coming out is that, you know, stress is stress, whether it's good or bad. Um, so that life box is often a really, really important spot for us as coaches um, to help with planning programming and what's, what's going to be kind of appropriate or suitable. Um, yeah. So they tell us what they did, how it went. Uh, and then, we give them feedback on that. And sometimes it's as simple as, wow, that's amazing. Or like, yes, you did it. Uh, And other times it's, you know, talking a little bit more about nutrition, fueling, um, always referring out to like a dietitian if those types of services are needed. We're not, we're not dietitians in any way, but, um, you know, talking about how many calories per hour to try and have or hydration um, or sleep Um, as an OT as well. I tend to throw in a lot of those uh, things around sleep, hygiene, you know, managing stress or wellness and stuff like that as well you brought up diet. That's, that's interesting. Do you have someone that uh, is quite well-versed in uh, nutrition as far as exercise is concerned and, and, and racing? Yeah. Yeah. So we actually, she's not local. Um, I found, we both found her actually through our own coach based out of Colorado. So um, fly nutrition is, is the name of the company. It's Kylie Van Horn and she's an ultra runner and dietitian. Um, So we both then consults with her and talk to her and she's, yeah, she's been really, really helpful and, and is a wealth of information. Awesome. Future yeah. interview right there, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. She I'll have go. to try and get in touch with her, see if she'd be open to that. That's, that's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I see a lot. I'm just going to throw a random question at you. I see a lot about, um, uh, you know, barefoot running and minimal shoes and, and uh, gait and all that kind of stuff and where to land on your foot and that sort of thing. Do you, do you coach people? Do you have a current, your own current philosophy as far as foot strike is concerned? 
Of course. Yeah, I have, I have philosophies on most things. <laughs> you don't need to know them all, I guess. Um, but foot strike, yeah, the gait. So right now, like Katrina and I will always say is we try our best to bring out the most relevant um, and most recent science. So um, there's lots out there about, about yeah, minimalist shoes, um, barefoot shoes, zero drop, all those types of things. Um, and, and running gait. So our current understanding is that what we've seen in the studies is that running gait um, is not often a good thing to really, for lack of better words, to mess with. <laughs> um, and that if you're going to do that, or if you have something where your gait is seriously impacting your ability to run, what I would suggest doing is going somewhere like um, Fortius and Burnaby and doing a really proper and thorough gait analysis and having professional guidance for that. Um, a lot of the cueing that we've seen used sometimes to correct certain things like cadence, you know, stride length versus speed and, and turnover rate and things like that um, aren't usually sustained outside of those sessions when you're actually working on it. Um, you know, we, we learn to run or we start running at such a young age that we develop our own ways and there's so much going on there, right. In terms of the way that our bodies are programmed to move and, um, and on trail specifically, your, your ground is going to dictate a lot of the ways that you get to place your foot or get to land um, or run. So especially here where we have such amazing technical trails with roots and rocks, planning to, you know, not heel strike or to land mid or front, like forefoot, um, just doesn't always exist. And I think the, the best thing you can do is, is work to have um, strong but flexible ankles, feet and legs, right, to be adaptable to those different changes in the terrain. Um, and different changes of grade, right? A steep uphill versus a steep downhill. Uh, I have so many photos from races where I'm prominently heel striking. And I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> um, but to not really get stuck in trying to change that because again, what you're doing is probably what your body needs to do for the most part. Um, and then with the shoes, I would kind of say with that, it's, it's about finding the best fit for, the, for your, your body. Um, I, I personally run in a trail shoe that's an eight millimeter drop. So an eight millimeter difference between the toe or heel and the ball of the, or sorry, the ball of the foot and the heel of the foot. Um, and if anybody goes to zero drop, you know, some people will swear by it. Right. And that, that's great. That probably works really well for them. Um, so in terms of, yeah, mass studies with different populations around what works, I think it's, it's still pretty individual overall. Um, barefoot, I think, again, like, N of one, like study of, you know, one sometimes to, if that works for people. Um, I think on trail too, there's also other risks with that, you know, just like not having a rock plate, not, you don't need it in your trail shoe, but often there is a protective level to that. Um, when I think of barefoot, I also just think of how cold that would be when you're on, you know, snow or anything in, in the later months. So um, yeah, it's finding a shoe that works for you. And if you do ever go to, if anybody does ever go to zero drop or a barefoot shoe, making sure it's a very gradual transition and that if anything is coming up in the Achilles or heel that they either go talk to a physio, yeah, get a good analysis or switch out of that shoe. <laughs> yeah. It makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, your approach makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. It's funny. Like I've tried to play with that a little bit as I'm running, thinking that it might help my calves because some people say that it might, and it, it hasn't helped. It doesn't, doesn't seem to seem to help. And, you know, and, and when I think of it too, this is really dumbing it down, but you know, they say to watch kids run, but kids are, yeah, they're just doing their, their natural gait. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Kids are going with what feels good, not what they think looks right. Right. And yeah. if you look at 
adult. I think we'd be so much better off in so many ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Be like a child. <laughs> yeah. That's actually something my coach will even write, you know, when we have some strides, which are little speed bursts, um, often it'll say like, or when, it, when it's being described, it's run like a kid out the gate at recess. Mm. Just run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 It does kind of take the fun out of it too. I think if you're thinking about it too hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a guy that I've started to follow. I heard a, I heard him on a podcast. His name's I think it's Tony Riddle, and um, he's from the UK. And he just did three. He did he ran from the south of the British Isles to the north, and he yeah. did three peaks. But he did the three peaks in bare feet. And so he's kind of a he's kind of one of these get back to nature kind of guys, you know. But I know me personally, I just can't imagine. I have such sensitive feet. I can't imagine <laughs> using a minimalist shoe, let alone yeah. barefoot. There's just, it just, it just seems impossible to me. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he has a method or technique to help you get there, but um, yeah, it seems yeah. nearly impossible to me. Yeah. <laughs> but another thing I, you made me think of was one of my friends was on this marathon that I did, he, he just mentioned, he says, so amazing. Like you talked about adjusting terrain and all that kind of stuff. And he was just saying how amazing our bodies are like, because every, when you're out on the trail, almost every foot strike is, is different. Right. And somehow we're not thinking about it. We're not doing adjustments. Our bodies just adjust to it. It's, it's quite incredible, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so then finally, you have uh, Fraser Valley Trail Races. And uh, I, I mentioned to you, one of the groups that I work with is Fraser Valley Lifestyle, which is an online blog. And uh, we're really interested in, in events. And I went on your website and I noticed that uh, you've had to cancel a few events like, like yeah. everybody has. Have, have any of your events taken place this year? Or are you? No, this no. year because it would have been um, June and then end of July, beginning of August that our mm-hmm. initial dates would have been. So no. Yeah. And what were the three event- events that were planned? There's Bear Mountain, there was Mount Shim. And yeah, what Manning was the- Manning Park. And Manning Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How does that feel to not be able to pull those races off? Are you oh, disappointed? I- or? Yeah, I think, you know, there's so many mixed emotions. Like there's mm-hmm. from the racer and me and the race director of like, I so wish we could have, of course, you know, I always wish we could have those events for, for the community. And, and they're for me, even apart from my own races, they're some of the best days of the year getting to, to do those and, and host that opportunity for other people to be out on the trails. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, I think it's important to be able to step back and look at the bigger picture of, of the other things going on in the world and, and think, you know what, if, if races are what need to be set aside right now, to not have people from, you know, all different regions kind of come to one event. And, um, and especially at the start, you know, in June when we didn't really know what things were looking like and, and, you know, hadn't maybe learned as much as well about COVID-19 is if, if that's what we have to pull back on and, and that's what we lose out on as a community, like that's, that's okay. That's part of it. Yeah. Um, I wish it was different, but (laughs) yeah, I care to also make sure that we're not negatively impacting the situation in any way. Right, right, yeah. Because I mean, on the surface, but and then I'm starting to think about it. No, that's it's not true. But it seems like at least on the surface, you're outdoors, and it wouldn't be all that challenging. But I wasn't thinking about people traveling. And then you've got your volunteers that are probably have to be in quite close proximity. And so yeah, yeah. Other, yeah. And there's search and rescue too, right? If something goes wrong, that they oh, would be yeah. responding. And then um, 
lots of little things like aid stations. We had, you know, we had come up with lots of, lots of plans and contingency plans for how to do it with zero physical contact. Um, at, at the end of the day, I think the toughest part is that on trails on single track, that would just ultimately also change the entire race experience if you can't pass somebody mm-hmm. um, on a single track trail for, you know, a three or four K section. And, and I think, again, I think a racers would adapt to that, but then at the same time, you know, you have to think about what would that actually be like? And um, yeah, again, search and rescue if they needed to respond to something um, and the end of the race, just kind of having to shoo people out. It's like, you know, there's other ways maybe that we can do this. And we, we did do a virtual event over summer, which was a ton of fun. We did a summer camp style program. Um, so there's other ways that we can bring the community together. And that's always a core yeah. focus to us is how do we, how do we engage the community and get, help people feel connected to it? Yeah. And yeah, this year, that's unfortunately not through the races. <laughs> so what events have you been able to do? Have you been able to do any uh, events? You, you mentioned that virtual event. Have you done anything else? Yeah, so we've done, um, we did a seven week summer camp, which again, we had a seven, we had it capped it at 175 people and we sold out, uh, mm. which is awesome. Um, we mm. wanted it to be, again, kind of like have that community feel, so not get too, too big. Um, I said at the beginning, we wanted to learn everybody's names and I, I think we were pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was, that was really fun. And that was, um, again, almost daily engagement from myself and Katrina with the, the, you know, the campers as we were the camp counselors. And then um, we actually, it was, it was so fun. Like you talk about going back to childhood and, and that's what it was. We had costume runs, we had uh, <laughs> campfire stories provided by other friends from the community. And um, yeah, all the, all the fun stuff you'd remember from camp yeah, <laughs> waterfront day. Oh, that's great. It was, yeah, it was really, really cool to see how people participated and, you know, got together in safe ways for different runs or different challenges. And then, um, actually this weekend we'll be releasing, um, some information on our fall series that we're going to do. So again, it will be primarily virtual, uh, creating ways for people to hopefully get outside and really enjoy this change in seasons that we're, we're about to head into. <laughs> <laughs> and where will people find information on that when it's, when it's released? Yeah. So we'll have information on our website, which is www.fraservalleytrailraces.com, um, as well as our Instagram page, same name, Fraser Valley Trail Races and our Facebook Okay, yeah. fantastic. And as always, I always tell listeners we'll have links for that in in our in our show notes. What does your own training and your own goals look like these days? I I had a conversation with someone earlier today. Just how difficult it is to plan. Like we just don't we just don't know. But anyways, what's what's what are things looking like for you? Yeah, I it's a great point. I feel like planning, has kind of, you know, planning in terms of the big picture is, is just kind of on, on pause or hold or, or yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty as a lot of the races I do hope to do in the coming years are um, some of the big competitions down in the States. And that, mm-hmm. that's going to depend on lots of things coming up in the near future, yeah. um, I think. But for myself, my training right now actually looks a lot like it normally does. Um, again, when we talk like about running, I think a big part of running, whether it's road or trail, um, or, you know, any distance is about that kind of lifelong process and journey with running. And, um, I, I love getting out. I love the consistency of my, my training and it, you know, it ebbs and flows. There's always things that come up, but, um, yeah, it's looking a lot the same as it normally does. It's some high volume weeks, you know, and then usually kind of a lower week here and there. Um, my goals right now are just around, again, seeing, what I can do with this time. And over summer, I did a couple, um, what's called fastest known times or FKTs. 
And that's where you can choose a route that's already been ran and submitted to the FKT website, or you can create your own if you think that you have a route available that's you know world class and that other people would want to come and compete on. So um, maybe even preparing, like depending on what things look like, preparing to do some more of those um, mm. and get the Fraser Valley on the map in terms of FKTs because we have amazing trail for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or or maybe competing, you know, with myself or with other race times that are out there. That's something I, I kind of get excited about and think will be something I, I put into the calendar, depending on what happens in the next couple months. Okay, cool. Hmm. Sort of lay the gauntlet down, say, here's my yeah. time, go out and yeah. see if you can beat it. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's what FKTs are all about. It's, it's super yeah. fun, too. <laughs> cool. I've never heard of that before. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Not that I'm going to be setting any FKTs. <laughs> well, the best thing in this region is honestly, there aren't very many up there. I've posted three this summer oh, yeah. um, and no one else has done them yet. Right. So it's a good chance to just go and put anything out there. That's, you know, a great route and say, Hey, somebody yeah. else should go do this. And, and again, if they're faster, cool. Like some of them, yeah, it, it's always a, a different day in the mountains, but some of them are probably slower than they could be that I've posted to. And that's okay. <laughs> I kind of geek out on training plans. So I'd love to know what sort of what's a typical week like for you in terms of both your running and what else do you do? Uh, like going to the gym or whatever as, as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, I am primarily like a runner who's heavy on the running part and less on the other stuff. Um, so my, my typical week, I'll just go Monday through the week. That's probably the easiest way to do it. Monday is a rest day. Um, and every athlete we coach too will have at least one rest day per week. Mm -hmm. And then Tuesday is what's considered an easy effort run. So always by effort rather than by pace um, for myself. And then that will be roughly between 13 and 16 kilometers is kind of my average of what I'll, I'll again be given by my coach. <laughs> and then on Wednesdays, I do a workout run. So that will involve either speed or hills or a combination of both like I had today. <laughs> Um, and then some easy running at the start and at the finish. And then um, Thursdays, I actually teach uh, spin in Abbotsford at Iron Cycle. So I do one class there in the mornings. Okay. Uh, teaching so I can talk. So it's not, yeah. not, um, not the crazy workout maybe that people in the class are, are getting, but it's still a good one and great cross training. And then I run Thursday evenings um, and usually similar distance to Tuesdays. And then Fridays, I either rest or run uh, a shorter distance in the mornings. Mm -hmm. um, and then Saturday, Sundays are my longer back-to-back -back days. So typically, again, on average, a Saturday would be between, you know, 20 and 28 cage, depending on the, the week. And mm -hmm. then the Sunday would be roughly um, 16 to 20 K, depending on the week. And then um, you'd ask about strength and cross-training as well. So I will sometimes, um, well, typically try and do some runner-specific strength training. So that looks more, um, more like things I can do at home. So core activities like plank. Uh, we have... Again, there's some evidence around kind of the best exercises to do as runners. So um, in the programming we give people, we include those. And then in my own, I try and do similar things as well. So things like lunges, um, single leg exercises, if um, the stability and balance is there. Um, yeah, push-ups, plank. More like short and um, some weighted, some unweighted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nothing. I don't do anything too, too crazy in terms of strength. The back-to-back runs on weekends like that longer. That's kind of typical, isn't it? In the ultra training uh, yeah. community. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome. Well, I was just looking at your website while you were talking there too. I just wanted to familiarize myself with your URL. So it's Pacific Pine Running Co. Yes. Dot com, right? 
Yeah, so that's Katrina and my business. Um, again, where you can find us for coaching for clinics. Um, we also, honestly, if anybody is listening to this and it hasn't done trail running, we love answering questions about how do I get into trail or where should I run or what groups are there. Yeah, um, we're always happy to share that information. Yeah, neat. Yeah, because there is a lot to learn in in the beginning and um, mm-hmm. and as well. I mean, I love what you said about that the online run that you had earlier. Just the the community. It's um, I. It's, it's neat to see you building community. It's, I think people really need it and they need connection. And um, yeah, it's fantastic that you're doing that. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And as I've said throughout the interview, if you want uh, further links and to find out more about Jenny, uh, you can go to fuelradio.com and we'll have um, links to all of the things that we talked about today. Thanks again. Thanks. Thanks.